Well, gosh darn it. Here we are with another episode of You'll Never Talk Alone. I'm your friend Joseph Craven. That over there is Alex Lebel. Hello, Alex. Hello, Joseph Craven. And I am actually waving at you as if anyone's ever going to watch this video. We're sh- it's Wednesday night. We are streaming live on YouTube and recording our podcast for the week. But we don't have high expectations for anyone ever watching on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but it's there. Um, we are thrilled for many reasons coming into this particular episode of the podcast. Part of which being because, like, for the most part, it's a little bit of a drama-free week so far. That's not bad. There's a little bit of drama with the, the Champions League, but we'll talk about that in a minute here. Um, because I think it's, I think we both agree it's fairly manufactured drama, but you know. But fairly drama-free. In fact, we're getting to see, see and celebrate such things as the return of Jordan Henderson. Ah, it's Not a shame really. Will couldn't join us on this episode because um, that's his boy. But I feel like we will absolutely pick up the slack because... My goodness, what an impact. But I think the the first and foremost, the question that I have to really start this episode off um, by, by tossing it over to you, Alex, is what are you more impressed with? All right, this is a, you know, an either or situation. Um, what are you more impressed with? Kelleher's confidence and competency in goal out of nowhere having never been in the first team before and then showing up and being like, okay, sure, yeah, this is just what I do. Or the fact that over the past few weeks on the podcast, we've actually been apparently pronouncing his first name, Quavine, properly. What are you more impressed with? Because I think both are great. (laughs) Uh, I I think the latter point. Uh, I mean, we are a linguistics podcast, and so, of course, we're going to pronounce it correctly, but also it's still surprising that a couple of bumpkins would pronounce it correctly uh like we're used to stuff like jim bob and mm-hmm. terry joe mm-hmm. uh but here we've got quavine and he's yep. just bursting onto the scene yep bobby joe bear yeah, bigger, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah so i mean good for us yes good for him for playing thank you to him for playing so we could show off our ability to pronounce his right. name correctly <laughs> uh but yeah just, just kudos all around high fives all around we have gotten Quavine Keller's name more correct than the the person in charge of making the kits for the match day. Um, and I think that is, I think that's admirable. I think we deserve gold stars for that. You know, it would have been great to see an attempt at the first name on the back of the jersey. If he was, he was like Brazilian or something. We had a, I still just remember the, the time that we were, it must have been a keep or sell episode. Um, where we a while, little while back, where we were trying to like go through the list of players, and we we brought him up, and we were all just like, "How do you pronounce that?" And we looked up the pronunciation on the Liverpool website, and it was like live as we were recording an episode, and we all went, "That can't be right, can it? Is that is that it really?" Like I don't think any of us had ever uh, you know seen or approached a Gaelic name in our entire lives. <laughs> <laughs> we have been making idiots of ourselves. I mean, that so, was the day we learned to trust the internet. Before right. that, we were skeptical about stuff we read on there, but now we know yeah, it's right. Exactly. That's why I'm heavy into QAnon things yeah. these days. Um, uh, I'm kidding. Anyway, talking about Liverpool. 
Oh, Kelleher, another solid performance from the the twenty two year old the the lad from Cork, as they are they're calling him, uh, which is super exciting. Uh, solid performance. I mean, from just about everyone. If you just look at, it's like a, a proverbial who's who of goal scoring. Um, between the all our top goal scoring names of Salah, Wijnaldum, and Matip, you know, <laughs> the big three, as the we big, call them, the big three, the big three. Um, so uh, we call them MGM: Mo, Wijnaldum, Matip, MGM. That's our attacking <laughs> trio. Uh, that's copyrighted. We're copyrighting yeah. that right now. But a, a, a dynamic performance against Wolves. Um, uh, we have been on a really poor streak of predictions on the podcast recently, and like I'm, I'm okay with it for the most part <laughs> because like it lets me know that I need to predict us to lose every match, and we're going to yeah. go undefeated the rest of the way. Um, we thought that this might be just a nasty kind of tricky game to have to deal with. Instead, this was just absolute confident thrashing of a Wolves team. Um, it seems like. A lot of that, as we're sitting here making jokes about, you know, Salah and Matipala, it seems like most of that has to do with the performance of the midfield in particular. A really touting a very strong midfield. But what's your impression of that match? I mean, what stands out to you? Is it that midfield? Is it another area, another individual performance maybe that before we get into, you know, more detail on it? But what, what st- stood out to you when you looked at that 4-0 victory over Wolves? Ooh, 4-0. It just gets sweeter and sweeter the more I look at it. Yeah, uh, and uh, you have to credit Connor Cody for finally having a man of the match performance for Liverpool, <laughs> like he's always wanted oh, ever no. since he was a boy. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, he he was spectacular in the first goal. What a what a just a, a brilliant control for Salah to finish. Like played him in perfectly right behind the yeah. defense, uh, and Stunning. then. Yeah, and then it's like he's he, been practicing practicing it. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe it was the fans back in the stadium, which was great to see. But mm-hmm. like, he just he lost his mind on that. He was getting clowned just uh, in general. I think it was him where the ball was crossed into Sadio Mane, and I mean, anybody would have been clowned by this. But Mane took this brilliant first touch where he like controlled it outside of his foot and it bounced, and then he volleyed it, and unfortunately, Patricio saved it. But it was incredible. And it was kind of a, an indication of, wow, we're on today. Yeah. And also, these guys are really good. Um, yeah. And then. And, and we rattled them. I mean, you're absolutely right. It seems as though, because Connor Cody's been having a good season um, yeah. from everything that I've, I've seen and heard, what little bit I've, I've watched the Wolves, but everything I've heard in like the, especially the transfer rumblings when all the names <laughs> were popping up of like, who should we Liverpool go after? Because all the defenders are hurt. And we were like, no one. <laughs> um, but, I mean, he's been pretty good. But it's really seemed like that first. You know, what was that, 20-something minutes in? That first goal, that air, all that, it just rattled Wolves. And we just, I mean, not to make like a Wolf pun or whatever, but we we pounced on them. <laughs> we took full advantage of, of that. So, anyway, what, what else were you saying there? Uh, and then he died in the box. It was a tragedy. Um, but then he, they found out that no one actually touched him. So, I know we had a big, long discussion about VAR, uh, mm-hmm. which credit to us because no one's talking about VAR and we're bringing up the issues that a lot of people are are too scared to talk about. Trailblazers over here. Um, but fair play because without it, they would have gotten 
a ridiculous penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you could tell Mane realized what he was doing was a terrible idea about halfway through and he stopped. <laughs> but Cody was already like, nope, I'm going down one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And he did that. So he got everybody on his back after that and then just kind of continued to get turned around. So that was nice. We set their defense all over the place because they had tried something new. I mean, we talked about they knew exactly what they were doing and they do the same thing every time. This time they didn't do that, and they probably won't do that again because it cost them dearly against our U19s merged with our first team. Right. So, and I mean, you you called up the midfields earlier, but yeah, like we've talked about before, and this was a perfect example. It's fun to talk about the midfield where it was a thing that we'd for so long been like, well, they do what they're supposed to do, but can they do more? And now they're doing more. I mean, you spoke about Jordan Henderson, and I think Will pulled a love muscle when he heard that Henderson was back and is not able to be on the pod tonight. But I mean, he was fantastic. That that pass for Salah's first goal was incredible. And I mean, he's just been getting better and better. You've got Genie showing national team Genie with that R one and circle shot right into the upper corner. Just brilliant. And it was just all over the place in a good way. And then Curtis Jones becoming a man before our eyes. Like he's going to be signing a, Signing a lease on a house at this point because he's grown up so fast. <laughs> Look at him. We're so proud of him. Getting all A's in this this matchup here. Good job. Buddy. No, absolutely. Like the having the skipper back, you saw not just the like emotional component of having him there as an anchor and a leader, um, but you actually saw and were reminded of just how good Jordan Henderson has become. You know, because there were moments when, like, the plantar fasciitis was really hitting him in which we all kind of, like, questioned. We are like, man, is he ever going to get, you know, back to his old level of uh, effectiveness? Um, We had no idea that we hadn't actually seen him hit full potential yet, you know. At that point in time when that injury, um, which, you know, is a chronic injury and it's just like you just never really get over it type of thing. We had no idea that when that started – what we were seeing out of Jordan Henderson was actually just kind of like a microcosm of like, I've been playing for a couple of years along with Steven Gerrard. And so all I need to do is like some long passes and that's it. We didn't see all of this yet. And it's like every year he keeps doing more and more and becoming more and more important. Um, and we, we just, I think that this was a prime example of the moment he came back, it became even with this like still like Frankenstein lineup behind him of Fabinho Matip and Nico Williams, you know, <laughs> even with that sitting behind him, he, we put together the strongest performance we've put together in weeks. Um, and I, I think a lot of that has to do with, with his return. But like you said, um, we'll, we'll jump over to Curtis Jones real quick, but he just, He's quickly, do you see him, I, we made a comment right before we went live on, on the recording session, but he is starting to resemble a little bit of the early days of Trent Alexander-Arnold and how you saw him a few times and you're like, okay, cool, like youngster, up and coming, whatever. But it seems like his progression is starting to hit a much faster pace. Uh, what are you seeing out of, of Curtis Jones the last few appearances that he's made so far this season? Uh, yeah, before I start on that, I had one more point on Henderson. Um, oh, my bad. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Excuse me. Wow. 
you know me always chomping at the bit to talk about Henderson, uh, <laughs> but I do love him. But like, fair play to him for talking to Klopp about his role, like the <laughs> the change from taking him from being a six to being an eight again was down to him saying like, coach, I could do so much more than you're yeah. having me do here. And like for him to understand his abilities and the role in the team is incredibly mature and intelligent for him to do. And he's and, embraced and that know, completely. Yeah. And to know that he has that level of trust with Jurgen Klopp, which is, I, I goes a long way as well. Exactly. I mean, and you've seen the way that we've changed how the team operates when it is necessary for him to play potentially deeper or for us to not have Fabinho in the midfield. When we don't have the natural holder, we change how that midfield functions and it accentuates Jordan Henderson's strengths. So, I mean, he's just been phenomenal and continues to do that. And having him in the side is always a a huge boost for us. Um, But for Curtis Jones, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that you don't necessarily really see that often or like totally mindful of, but it's kind of when potential becomes fully realized like success and talent. Like you always hear about Curtis Jones being the up and comer, the next kid in the Academy after Trent, like tearing it up for the U19s and the UEFA youth leagues or in the youth team and the premier league too. But now that he's getting his chance, like you saw early on, it was like, okay, maybe he, he definitely looks like a kid adjusting to a full-grown man's league. Right. And then just as the games kept coming and he kept playing, it was like, oh, Curtis Jones, playing. He's, he's fitting in. He's looking like he's adjusted. Oh, Curtis Jones, he was one of our better players today. Oh, Curtis Jones, that was a fantastic, arguably man-of-the-match performance. And it's just like everything he does, his decision-making, his time on the ball, like he's – He's growing so quickly, and you you don't really you're not as mindful most times when a young player is transitioning like that because you see him in fits and starts most of the time. But because he has had to play every minute because we have two billion games, it's really interesting to watch him become a first teamer. It's a a lot of times one of the biggest differences in a youngster who's coming up versus a youngster who actually stays up um, is just, it's the it's entirely mental. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of incredibly talented players out there in any sport. There's a lot of incredibly talented players that don't have the mental fortitude and the work ethic to cut it on the highest level. Um, and that's why you see so many, you know, uh, in professional basketball, you see so many uh, American high schoolers that like are thrust into the NBA and can't handle the pressure because like what were they doing beforehand? Like they spent one year at a college and before that, like not long ago, they were in a high school setting, you know, it's good. And and all of a sudden they're having to go against the best of the best. Uh, And so, which is another reason why I'm a huge proponent of uh, changes in general to youth sports in America to close, you know, to more resemble, uh, football academies that you see in, in England and the rest of Europe. But anyway, so when you see something like Curtis Jones um, pop up, who seems to have the the comfort level already, um, and I think that's what separates him from some of the other, you know, incredibly talented youth that we've seen come through or younger players that just hadn't quite panned out quite as much. It's It's... It's fun, and, and like you could see that he's got a he's got that it factor. Um, he's a 
He's a, uh, oh, uh, I was trying to remember what FIFA calls it. When you have a player that has like the, the flair, he has, like, he, had, he has something ex- special or something like that. Yeah. has something yeah. special or like an exciting talent or something like that. <laughs> and, That's and, and like you, you look at him like, and there's been some profiles on him, I think last year, maybe this year, there's just talk about like him and his family life and like how grounded he is and how everyone around him is keeping him grounded and supporting him really well. You saw that with Trent and like you look at someone like him compared to Bobby Duncan and it's just mm. like the, the attitude that players mm. take. Cause like you, we heard about Bobby Duncan is like banging in the goals and being extreme, excitingly talented, but yeah. having the head on the shoulders, buying into what the club is trying to do, buying into what the manager's trying to do, uh, learning from the people around you and like accepting that like, while you're the best for your age, you're maybe not be the best on the team. And like, he's clearly grown from absorbing all this knowledge from the, his teammates and just buying in completely. So like, it's, it's been fantastic and long may he continue to be in the lineup, even when people start getting healthy. Cause he certainly d- deserves it. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Um, he deserves it, and it's it's just kind of cool looking at you know the players that obviously uh, Jurgen trusts at a younger age to step up when needed, and like there's a reason why you know obviously there's a there's a reason why we have to play Nico Williams because we're <laughs> thin at at uh, fullback anyway, but there's also a reason why you know Klopp didn't necessarily go out and get another right back for cover. You know, yeah. we went ahead. We we're like, yeah, let's go get, uh, you know, Costas to cover on that left side. But like, you know, we're we're good with with Nico Williams as our our cover for Trent right now. You know, he trusts that 19 year old to and I know we're not necessarily super high on Nico right now because he is still quite error prone and everything. But it's cool to see that the coaching staff has trust to be like, yeah, you are going to be the cover if something goes wrong here be prepared. We know that you will be prepared. And to even make the the switch up to go ahead and bring Kelleher in and goal, um, I think shows a very interesting and exciting um, mentality uh, for our, our coaching decisions. Um, in, in particular, because like, you know, it, Klopp has always been kind of um, pretty open about the fact that, you know, he'd like to consider going back to Germany when like his contract's up and, you know, uh, in a however many years that is, four or five years from now, it makes you kind of wonder, like, okay, if he's playing these youngsters that he trusts, like, even if he does eventually still hold to that and leave, he's trying to put together a foundation for the club years down the line Mm -hmm. for whoever takes his place, Steven Gerrard. You know, so it's just fascinating. Um, It's fascinating to see that as well. You know, to, to see not just the immediate success, but to know that, like, down the line, we're, we've got a lot of potential <laughs> amongst these yeah. young ranks. Uh, it's really cool to see a, a complete approach versus what we see a lot of times um, at, in the top teams in England that say, uh, buy a bunch of superstars. When they get old, just try to buy the next superstars. You know, yeah. that culture is financially unsustainable. And I think that we're trying to, um, we're trying to build something a little bit more sustainable as a whole, which is pretty cool. That was a tangent I wasn't expecting to go off on, but, but we needed it. We needed it. I think it was good. Yeah. I think it was good. All right. Uh, also great to see Jeannie Wijnaldum, 
uh, Netigal, um, always love, uh, whenever we get to just really see him fully unleash how good he is. Um, you obviously one of his biggest fans. Um, we reference quite often how or pretty sure you had, you had gotten your hands on a, a black genie Winaldum kit the year he was signed before he ever did. Because yeah. We saw him at training in St. Louis and he was just like genuinely like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, rounding out that midfield, what is it about Genie that just works so well in this matchup? Uh, I mean, it's his willingness to do everything. Right? It's something we've talked about a lot before, is that sometimes it's almost frustrating sometimes to watch him play because you know that he is so good, but he is sacrificing so much for everyone else so that everyone else can do what they're supposed to do. But then when you get the chance to see him do what he's best at, like you typically see with the Netherlands and you saw against Wolves, like it's incredible. And you realize that he is a world-class player and that we should probably get him another contract. Hopefully we can resolve that soon because he is so important for this team, um, especially when he's playing like he has been. And I mean, he's, he's played, I think the most minutes under Klopp or like second most, uh, just in general. And then this season, he's basically played every match and he hasn't gotten hurt. And that's in a season where everyone is getting hurt. And not just every match for us, every match for any team that he could like reasonably be on. Mm-hmm. Like the Netherlands, like, I don't know, some charity match. I'm sure he's played like 50 of them. But right. he just, he's tireless. <laughs> uh, it was good to be able to rest him today just to prevent any other sort of injury. But he just, brings so much to the team and like he and Henderson really seem to get each other. Uh, and now that is being brought in with Jones. Like they're all just very understanding of each other and where they are on the field and what they mm-hmm. want to do and who's responsible for what, because they share so much responsibility. Like we talked about earlier when we're not playing with a proper holder, we're playing with three midfielders. Right. And that they, so yeah, like all of them are great. It's very fun. I like seeing them score. I really, really want Curtis Jones to get a league goal because he got that goal yeah. against Ajax. But just get them all goals. Everybody yeah. gets a goal. Why not? Why not? Speaking of goals, the celebration for Genie, lovely honoring honoring his buddy <laughs> who we all miss, uh, Big Verge. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, let's talk just a little bit, um, very briefly about the Champions League matchup against against Michelin. Um. It was not not a huge amount to talk about on on account of the fact that you know we we locked up the group, um, and uh, you know it was kind of just a formality trying to get through it. Um, and we obviously you know coming up on on December sixteenth is uh, a pretty big league match. So like yeah. we have more to look forward to that we'll uh, you know talk about a little bit later on in the podcast. But uh, just real quick about this matchup, some of the quote unquote drama um, that had been going on is uh, some people upset that some of our starters, key players were playing in this meaningless Champions League match. I mean, the good headlines being that Mohamed Salah with, I mean, handed another goal. (laughs) Great, great week for Mohamed Salah, man. Like, the defenders love him. Um, but he becomes Liverpool's all-time Champions League 
leading goal scorer. Awesome honor. But also questions of, why is he playing? (laughs) Why is he out there? You know? Um, Some of the the moves make a little bit of sense, like um, bringing in Jordan Henderson at some point because Hendo needs a little bit more match fitness. You know, that kind of makes sense. But, like, what was up with some... Do you... How much do you read into some of those uh, decisions to play players like Salah and not sub him out? To play players like, you know, uh, putting in, you know, Bobby and, and Sadio, you know, later on in the match. What, what do you make of all that? Do you do you get very upset about some of those choices, just all things considered? Uh, or is upset not the right term? Yeah, maybe like confused mm-hmm. more than anything. Like this is a dead rubber. We've already locked up the group. They're the weakest team in the group. Like you all on paper should say like don't play anybody. Yeah, keep everyone out. And I probably forfeit. Would have, Just yeah. forfeit the match. <laughs> Leave the Champions League. <laughs> oh wait, no, we're not Manchester United. I was gonna say um, pull yeah. United. No thanks. <laughs> oh, glory, um, glory, RB yeah, Leipzig. <laughs> And we, I would have preferred that, but uh, I mean, and I'm trying to understand, trying to see where Klopp's coming from on this. I've tried to put myself in his shoes. Um, and what I'm seeing is like the, the last time we put out just a team of kids, they got destroyed. Right. And like, if you, on one hand, like you want to rest people. On the other hand, this isn't necessarily FIFA. So I get it. Like you can't just put in a bunch of children and like backup people like Jake Kane and like all these people that maybe combined have like yeah. 10 appearances. I'm trying to think of like a randomly generated FIFA name, uh, like Leighton Clarkson, for example. Yeah. That's not, I think that's a <laughs> yeah. randomly generated FIFA name. Who, who did pretty well today, uh, yeah. although he is so, he's very tiny and <laughs> his like high ankle boots that he had. They, they just made his legs look super squat <laughs> because they just went halfway up his entire leg. So I thought that was that was enjoyable, although he did play pretty well. But, I mean, you've got to put someone – like you put Fabinho out there just because he is our lead defender at this point. He marshals our defense, and we don't have Phillips for the Champions League. Uh, the next option is Billy Cumedio, who came on. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's what his debut is a Champions League match. Like, it, right. sure, it's a dead rubber. It's the Champions League. This is a huge, <laughs> a huge event, and we looked a little rudderless without Fabinho. So you get why someone like him would play Salah. I think, it, like after his performance against Wolves, that great assist, the goal, like, and his just anger at not being on the field. Like when he gets subbed off, he is furious every time. So maybe Klopp was just trying to make him not be mad. And also, we got Fulham this weekend, and maybe that's when he rests him. Right. So that that might be why he played. But overall, it was just kind of to give the youngsters and the fringe players some kind of focal points, some lighthouses, I guess, to to guide them, to pull them, to lead them through. Because – sure, there's a balance of rests and playing youngsters and destroying their confidence because they lost – horrendously in the Champions League or something. So I get that. I can, or maybe that's the, the thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I didn't want it to be like that. I wanted everyone to rest. I wanted us to put in a bunch of kids and just have it be what it was. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we just got to take it like it is. Brilliant for Salah to break the record. Weird match overall. Um, a lot, it wasn't all that great. 
And, you know, we just, we only had one injury, and that's kind of a record at this point. Right, yeah, that's, that's a weird thing worth celebrating, right? Mm. Yeah, it's a shame we won't see Frostus Samikas and his lovely tips <laughs> anymore for a while. But uh, we only lost one person. And, right. like, we, we don't have many people to bring in. No. So, like, when you sub someone off, like, of course it's got to be Bobby to come in. We're missing 11 people. Right. Like, of course the people we would normally bring on aren't there, and the rest are would be debutantes. So, right. like, why you want to see it, because it rests people, like, at some point you can't necessarily do that. Like, I'm trying to figure out who in the world's going to play besides Muhammad Salah. Like, I think Klopp, at that point in time, when trying to write down, like, the, the team sheet was just like, I don't know who else we have. Like, just, I don't know. Calls up, Mo, you want to play? Mo's like, yeah, okay, sure. You know. Um, yeah. it, I don't know what else you, I don't know what you, what else you do. I just don't know <laughs> who else you'd even put out there at that point. It kind of was a necessity thing. Yeah, I would love to see it. I can't get too upset about it because, like, the rest of the lineup was uh, Trent trying to get back in match fitness, you know, Nabby. Doing the same re- thing. Doing the same thing. Uh, Reese Williams, you know, Fabinho, uh, like you said, Zemeckis, Taki, another backup, Leighton Clarkson, who I think is just our friend Will Caves, but the high school version <laughs> of Will Caves, um, Diogo Jota, newcomer, he's a sub anyway, Divac Origi, st- still technically on the team. Like, yeah. <laughs> every, everyone else had a reason to be out there because they were like rehabbing or was a backup already. Like you can't get too upset because it's, you know, Muhammad Salah played the entire match is a little bit weird, but at the same time, like you reach that point, it's like, well, all the other subs were used up already. Yeah. <laughs> like our, who else would we put up there? We'd put Diogo Jota out there, you know? So yeah. I can't get too upset. I can understand people being concerned. I can understand us all, you know, being confused because it is a little confusing at times, but also it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, this is ultimately this is what they all do for a living. The managers pick teams for a living. The players go out and play matches for a living. And there's some days in which, like, in our jobs, in you know, at offices and all that, where there's some days where honestly, like, we probably don't need to be there. But you know, it's our job. We'll go and at least show up, <laughs> pretend to be working for a little bit. You know, stuff like that. That's like everyone. That happens to everyone. So. It's, I don't know. It was weird. It's a weird situation, but either way, survived without Mo getting injured. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. Anyway, all right, let's, let's look ahead. That match ultimately didn't matter much. Um, it was just, it was, it was good exercise for everybody. <laughs> just everyone's chance to, to roam around a bit. But this is a, uh, this is quite a week in the, the, the Premier League itself. For us, obviously, we have to deal with a Fulham match here. Fulham, um, by definition, is but they are a <laughs> they are a butt of a team. Um, they're just they're just butt right now. Uh, so we have to get through them in order to have what should be, I mean, a one-two matchup between Liverpool and Tottenham coming up next Wednesday. The questions kind of being like, you know, uh, who, I mean, who does Tottenham play in between us? That's the question. 
Anyone? Uh, no, they have a Europa match. Yeah, they play oh, they play in the Europa League and they play Palace. Good grief. They have to play a Thursday Europa, a Sunday against Palace, and a Wednesday. <laughs> it's probably fine. Yeah, it's probably fine. It seems normal. I'm shocked that Jose hasn't been making more of a fuss about congestions right here. They're having to play against the city of Diamonds, Antwerp, <laughs> and then turn around and play against the Palace of Crystals. This is yeah. unbelievable. Um, so anyway, a lot going on there. So it just depends on like if either team slips up against teams they should not slip up against. Um, uh, we slip up against Fulham, they slip up against Palace, something like that. If everything goes the way that it should, we're still looking at a 1-2 matchup that will hopefully shake things up and get us back on top of things. Um, before we talk much about Fulham, I want to get your your opinion on Tottenham, actually, as being the, the top team in the league right now. Uh, obviously, having the the special one <laughs> uh, behind the reins, are you surprised to see them having this level of success? I mean, it kind of seems like this is what Jose does. Like, you hire him, he instantly does some stuff, and then he instantly loses steam. Like, that's that's his, like, track record, his last few stops. But are you surprised by this? What's working with them? What's your take on Tottenham right now? And, uh, and maybe why, why they're able to be top of the league? Yeah, uh, it seems like he's making more of an effort to kind of incorporate some of the signings from last season that it seems like he hated, uh, but right. trying to motivate them. I'm really thinking of Ndombele here. Uh, but they, I mean, they, it's maybe coming a lot quicker than I expected, but also like this season is crazy unpredictable. So it could be maybe a bit of a false positive. I mean, they're definitely good, but maybe everyone else is flattering them. Just like sometimes everyone else is flattering us. Like, yeah. the, the, I you, mean, let's not forget this was a season that Everton was top of the league for a little while in there, you know, and oh man, how they have slipped up. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it, it was, it's really interesting. I was thinking about it. Uh, that like when Jose came to Spurs, there was all this talk about the backroom staff that was brought in with him that they got from Leal. That was a bunch of like exciting attacking assistant coaches to help him change his style. And his style has changed a bit. Like he's not as negative and he's getting the most out of Kane and son and like right. building the attack. And in the conversations turned to, well, Jose's back. It's all Jose. It's like, well, do you not remember? Are you writing like profile after profile of all these assistants that you brought that he brought in to like help him be attacking? Did right. they just like, did Jose just, no, I'm not listening to you. I'm doing it my own way. Like, yeah. no, Tur- so I, turns out I've been an attacking master this <laughs> whole time. Yeah. So I mean, it, credit to them, credit to him for buying into it and kind of reinventing himself. Uh, on the pitch, like off the pitch, he's still the same Jose and saying right. a bunch of weird stuff. But <laughs> like they've definitely evolved. He's evolved his style. They're a lot more exciting. They're a lot more attacking. Uh, they know exactly what they want to do. <laughs> like we talked about Wolves a bit. Like there's a very clear game plan with Spurs and it revolves around Kane and Son. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that is something to worry about because they're both on form, but we also typically match up pretty well with Spurs apart from that one game at Wembley that kind of revitalized us after it was so bad. But I mean, this is something like we're, they're good. We're good too. I think, and their being good is almost kind of overshadowing us being good because Mm -hmm. 
we're we've been so good for so long that it's just expected of us. Right. Um, that's the real XG. Expected good is us right now, uh, and they're surprising a little bit. So uh, it's got to be a tough match for sure. But I, yeah. I'm like I'm not worried per se. It's just wow, we're playing a good team. Yeah, it's uh they I. I Having the way that Sun and Kane have been playing, like quite honestly, has been my favorite non-Liverpool thing to watch in the Premier League this year. Um, I've always liked Sun. There's something about him that then just the way he's been playing. I mean, he was dangerous last year, but this year he's been like cranking it. It's like you could almost bet that like he's going to get a goal no matter who they're going up against. And if he's not getting a goal, then he's getting this close to a goal. You know, it's just, it's really impressive. So he's been, that combination has just been fun to watch, but it is interesting. You're right. You know, watching them as a team and and seeing just how much it is kind of relying on them. Like we in in Liverpool have had the, uh, as evidenced by all the injury crisis going on, we've had the ability and the necessity to rotate more and had a lot more success than we expected with a bunch of backups. But you still kind of get the feeling with Tottenham that like if something, well, you don't even have to like, quote unquote, get the feeling with them. Just look at their last European match where they didn't have both of them playing and drew against Linz. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to act like I know how to pronounce Lask Linz properly. I think that was correct. Okay. I'm going to go with that. Um, but, you know, like, yeah, you see how, like, it's just, I mean, having Gareth Bale back, okay, yay. But <laughs> you just, you see how different it, when they try to mix it up, you could see the 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 chemistry is not there quite yet. Um, and so I think that's, it's just interesting. They're an interesting team, but they, they are currently so reliant on those two. Um yeah, and you mentioned Sun being dangerous this season. Now he's only one sense of dangerous because last season he was dangerous like on the ball and off the ball because he kept getting red cards, <laughs> doing stuff like that. Uh, but that has been replaced by Kane. So I think one the biggest worry that I have in this match is Harry Kane submarining one of our players in right. midair and him breaking his neck. Like, because that is something that has been really infuriating. Yeah. Uh, like, it's been fun to see them do so well, but that is kind of that kind of puts a, a damper on it, especially when you do it to Adam Lalana. Right. And you like you foul him and then get a penalty. So that I, I don't understand that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. it's a big match to worry about. But hopefully, the team isn't doing what we're doing and looking ahead to Spurs because we <laughs> do have that match this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the obviously the other big question is what do we have to do then to not overlook? What do we have to do against Fulham? Um, and obviously neither of us are coaches. <laughs> this is, we don't know. But what are we going to have to do, you think, to A, not overlook it, but also B, you know, be able to rotate some, to keep players fresh, to work on uh, some of the, um, the, the rehabbing of... Uh, you know, uh, of Hindo and, and Trent and, and, you know, Nabby, like, uh, what are we going to have to do? How do we, how in the world do we approach this Fulham match? You know, what do we expect to get out of it? How do we approach it? You think? 
Uh, it's a tight turnaround with the next match, but I do feel like the people that were rested are going to come back in for this Fulham match. So you're probably going to see Genie. You're probably going to see Hendo, who came in but didn't start. And you'll probably see Curtis Jones, who didn't play at all. Like him and him and Genie didn't play at all. They'll come in. Uh, I'm sure Bobby will start again. Mane will start again. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, Salah played a full 90. Jota did not. We'll see who starts. Kind of feel like Jota might end up starting, but Salah, like, there's a reason Salah played 90. It must have been, like, okayed by the fitness team. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll see him again. But, like, I, it's Trent's probably staying in the lineup. He got his match time. Wasn't exactly as dynamic today, but he's fit and we'll see. Um, but right. that's it for sure. Uh, and then Andy, because we're out of left backs again. So I, I think it'll be kind of as full strength a lineup as possible because the the lower teams have kind of given us quite a bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think it's because we're like raising and lowering our game to meet our opponents, but it's just like the way those teams tend to play just stymies us a bit. And we haven't had Tiago because he's been injured, who would who was brought in to help counter those types of teams. But also, Fulham sucks, so like <laughs> that will help a lot. They really are just butt. Um, yeah, it's so you're thinking a fairly full strength team. Um, so, do you expect then to see like pretty much what we would see go like against Tottenham? Like, just go ahead because I know there's a lot to be said about you know. Uh, not just match fitness and like fatigue and all that, but there's also a lot to be said about just having that playing chemistry and being able to play the same lineup as often as you can, as safely as you can, in order to keep them going well together. So you expect that that just to be, let's get everyone starting against Fulham that we plan to start against Tottenham, ride that momentum, ride that chemistry, and, you know, just... Fingers crossed that we someone doesn't shatter in the meantime. Is that kind of what you're expecting? Yeah, I kind of feel like we managed the workloads as much as we could today. And we'll mm-hmm. see kind of a bit like we saw against Brighton where anyone who was fit and is a starter started and anyone who was injured or like needed a rest was replaced. Also started, uh, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that was the match where we did see Salah leave. Um, so maybe you see kind of something similar where he does start, but then is subbed off with 30 minutes remaining, like very clearly a timed sub, like not relevant to how the game was flowing. But I mean, it, we've we've heard Klopp talk a lot about uh, workload and tiredness and scheduling fixtures, but I mean, you could very well see him put all of his starters out there almost to make a point and be like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, like I can't circuit, I can't cycle through my team because one, they're all injured, and two, these matches do count even if it's just Fulham, like we are joint top. We're not alone. We're not as ahead as we were last season. We can't really afford to drop many more points. So I I kind of think we'll go strong in both matches just because we have to, and it's better to see our best players out there. Yeah, I guess we – yeah, absolutely we have to. It's I, I don't envy um, that part of, of you know, Jurgen Klopp's job. <laughs> <laughs> trying to yeah. figure out. Obviously, I mean, the man's clearly been upset about match congestion, but I don't envy at all, even if he wasn't so upset about it, the fact that this is something that he has to do, um, just kind of in general, is even consider, okay, how in the world do we make it through a match against a butt team 
<laughs> to then have to follow it up, you know, so soon with the team that right now is playing the hottest um, in the league, not named Liverpool, you know, like that's it's it's just this is gonna this is gonna be one of the trickiest weeks, which I know is not really like a hot take to say. <laughs> I mean, um, anytime you go up against Tottenham, regardless of where they sit on the table, you know it's just gonna be a tricky week because that's a big name matchup, a big name opposition to deal with. But um, so, how confident do you feel we match up going into this week against both Fulham? And Tottenham. Do we even dare to make any level of prediction knowing how terrible we have been on the podcast the past few weeks at predicting? Or are we just going to speak in vague generalities? That's what I want to know. I'm going to keep it vague. There will (laughs) definitely be a game and there will be another game. And they will be close together. Uh, And, you know, that's just how it happens sometimes. (laughs) It, it, It... It'd be like that sometimes, Alex. It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> but no, I mean, what what do you expect to see out of these these matchups? How, or I'm sorry, going back to my original question is how confident do you feel about these two matchups in this next week and our ability to handle it well? Maybe not just come out like a, a you know out and out victory, but just be able to handle a tricky bit of match congestion well enough. Uh, I think we're gonna do fine because we've been managing it as well as we can for a while. Like I'm guessing we'll probably lose someone else to injury, but rumor has it Oxley Chamberlain's supposed to be back. Ooh. Would be nice to see him get some minutes against Fulham in case we need him against Tottenham. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the, we have shown that despite a little bit of inconsistency with rotation and having to play youngsters, like they can handle it. And when they're on, they can turn in a great performance and get the job done. So if we need that against Fulham and that's how we decide to go, like I think we can still do it to save our best players for Spurs. But we're in a spot where anyone we play, we can win. Um, And like the fact that we haven't been getting as many results this season, it just kind of reminded me that, wow, I've gotten so used to winning that (laughs) not getting three points really pisses me off. And so like I think that is the exact same that the club is feeling. And of course they're going to, do whatever they can to prevent that. Yeah, it's um, an amazing position to be in, um, <laughs> to be able to kind of feel a little spoiled, you know, yeah. but just kind of embrace it. It's great. Yeah, if anyone is going to be able to handle difficulty like this, I think we've proven that it's us. Yeah. You know, I think we've proven time and time again that not only are the players mentality monsters, but just the entire culture of the club right now is a culture that can handle so much opposition. Um, if, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out well, just the fact that Tottenham is not playing traditional Jose ball. You know, it should be much more of a just straight-up matchup between the two teams, just two heavyweight fighters trying to go after each other. And I think that's going to always play into Liverpool's favor, you know, um, always play into Liverpool's favor until, you know, Klopp is gone, until this roster is depleted, until, I don't know, we, we find a way to ruin what he set us up for <laughs> or something. You know, until proven otherwise, that a straight-up matchup um, is always going to go in our favor. So, yeah, it's easy to feel confident in this. Um, you just kind of have to sit back and hope that 
a uh, early Sunday that uh, I guess you just have to hope that Monday and Tuesday are restful enough. Yeah. <laughs> lead up to Wednesday. Oh, what a mess. What a mess. Okay, so what prediction do you feel safe saying for these matches in this upcoming week? What what would you feel actually safe predicting? That the post-match analysis will be about VAR and not about the actual game. That's about as far as I'm willing to go. Uh, I'm going to predict that somebody after the match is going to say that Jurgen needs to stop talking about match congestion uh, as much as he does. That's my prediction. Uh, the, yeah, what? that I think. That's, Watch that's neither of those happen. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Wow, you know, he did have a point, actually." Like that's when it finally clicked. We've we we're just we're just gonna keep riding this this cold streak that we've got going on on the podcast. I love it. I love it. All right, let's wrap things up then, Alex. I appreciate it. Uh, you jumping in on this lovely Wednesday evening recording session. Um, and uh, hopefully the next time we record, next Wednesday, we'll be talking about how great it feels to be top of the league once again. Whew. Whew. Love it. All right. For Alex Level, I'm your friend Joseph Craven. This has been another, I'm sure it was a riveting episode of You'll Never Talk Alone. Uh, gotta be in the top five United States-based Liverpool podcasts out there. It, it, I have to think. I have to say, this is we're in the top five for sure. I'm always stunned the Athletic hasn't signed us yet. Yeah, and Urban Outfitters. Speaking of Urban Outfitters, let's kick it over to Andrew Ainsworth to sign us out. Andrew, we'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>